0: Welcome to the God's Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly. Our previous episode took us back to the beginning of our tragic story to explain how injustice was able to take over the world after what happened in the beginning to break God's perfect peace and harmony. In this episode, we want to discuss how God responded to that catastrophe. Christians have spiritualized the word salvation to the point that even most non-Christians think it means going to heaven in the afterlife rather than going to hell. Many Christians think salvation is simply about accepting Jesus' gift of eternal life. Too few connect salvation with what happens between the time you accept Jesus and the time you die and go to heaven. But if in Jesus' day... You asked a Jew on the street what salvation meant? He would have told you a heartfelt story about how God's people were suffering in cruel slavery in Egypt and God sent Moses to rescue them and lead them to the beautiful, bountiful land promised to Abraham. The Hebrew slaves in Egypt weren't just in a spiritual mess caused by their own sin. They were in a literal condition of slavery under the thumb of a cruel oppressor. When God saved the Hebrews, He rescued them from their here and now misery and took them to a land flowing with milk and honey. The prophets talked about the someday when God would completely recreate perfect peace and harmony. But for these Jews, salvation was about what great things God had done and continued to do in the lives of His people. If we are going to proclaim salvation to our generation, we need to dig back to our roots when the people of God were enslaved by a cruel tyrant and let that situation enlighten and inform the good news of salvation we proclaim today. There's two things we need to understand. The first is that God's agenda in the wicked world was rescue. God's beloved children had turned their backs on Him, walked away, and fallen under the power of evil. Some of us understand all too well what a father or mother feels when our precious child ignores our loving counsel and chooses evil over good. She cuts herself off from our care. We watch her suffer the awful consequences of bad choices. Perhaps she even falls under the control of someone who abuses and exploits her. It breaks your heart. The deepest desire of your heart is to rescue her. You cannot be at peace until the two of you are reconciled and she is restored to a life that is full and free. Now, that's no small task. And if you are God and the wayward child is the entire human race, no small solution will suffice. God's agenda is rescue, the restoration of our broken lives and chaotic world to the peace He originally intended. His mission is nothing less than bringing us all back full circle to the lives of peace and justice He created us to enjoy. Coming full circle is the literal definition of revolution. And revolution is precisely what God is up to in the world and in your life. Lots of charlatans use the word revolution today, but none of them mean even remotely what the word truly represents. Bringing something full circle back to where it began. Only God intends to bring His broken creation full circle back to the peace and harmony He originally created. Everyone else who uses the word is peddling false hope to people stuck in desperate situations. Evil rules this world because broken people are stubbornly self-seeking. God's enemy is determined to steal and destroy our lives. We enslave ourselves to that enemy by believing his attractive lies. Each one of us is trying to save his own life, and we only fall farther into brokenness and captivity. We need someone to rescue us, someone who is stronger than the chaos and the darkness that overwhelm us, someone who is strong enough to restore true justice and peace in our lives. Who else can do that but the God who created the peace and justice in the first place? God's mission is to rescue His lost children from their slavery, to rescue us from ourselves and restore our lives. Each child rescued and restored brings the whole world one step closer to the harmony God created in the first place. Each rescued and restored child joins the ranks of revolutionaries God is using to undermine the power of evil in this world. Each rescued child will walk with God the way Adam and Eve did in the garden. Each one will love mercy and do justice. In the Bible's original language, mercy is an attitude of Unconditional, unchanging compassion for others. Justice is when everything is the way God intends it to be. Loving mercy and doing justice means giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the hard work of helping God's lost children find freedom and experience the shalom peace the God of justice created them to enjoy. Most people in the world know nothing of God's shalom, peace, and justice. In the poorest quarters of the earth, families scrape to survive, and children die of easily preventable diseases. Behind closed doors, women, girls, and boys are treated like slaves and abused for the pleasure of selfish men. Even in the richest neighborhoods, more is never enough and the abundance of possessions never satisfies. Even in the midst of great wealth, like the Hebrews in Egypt, we still can be enslaved. The second thing we need to understand is that God redeems captives. The children of Abraham lived as slaves in Egypt, one of the world's wealthiest countries. Perhaps their lot was not quite as awful, as that of slaves in other places and times. On their long, hard journey back to the land of promise, the Israelites reminisced about the good life back in Egypt, sitting around pots of meat and eating all the food they wanted, an abundance of cucumbers and melons and leeks, onions, garlic, and fish they used to eat for free. But they were slaves, oppressed with back-breaking labor, Treated like animals, far from their homeland. All their time and energy spent filling someone else's pocket. Not free to leave, not free to prosper. And God said, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. When the Jews of Jesus' time talked about God redeeming them, they weren't just talking about being saved from the penalty of sin. When Israel thought about God's salvation, they remembered when suffering slaves in Egypt cried out for God to deliver them from oppression, and the Almighty acted to set them free. When God set the people free, it was to take them physically to the land of promise, a place of prosperity and security, a place where they could walk in God's ways and together live the abundant life of shalom, peace, and justice that God created all people to enjoy. Today, the good news is that God still hears the cries of broken people trapped in captivity. God stands ready to deliver slaves from the powers that crush them. God's intention is to restore His children to lives that are full, free, and forever. Not just eternal in a world to come, as wonderful a promise as that is, but abundant life of peace, prosperity, and purpose in this world today. When God redeems captives, we are saved in every way. God liberates us from all captivity of every kind. Life under God's shalom is life transformed in every respect we are free to enjoy the love of our Creator and to experience the joy of living the way He intended us to live. When God redeems us from captivity and brings us to our land of promise, we enjoy the justice God brought into our lives, and we are free to do justice for other slaves, allowing God to use us so they can be set free from oppression as well and experience the new life that is full, free, and forever. Words like that may not resonate with people who live in the midst of great wealth in a country shaped toward justice by a Christian heritage. Middle-class American Christians don't readily grasp the significance of abundant life as part of redemption and salvation. Not only do they fail to see the captivity of their own wealth, but they can't fathom what the gospel has to do with social justice. If those privileged Christians, however, enter even a shallow relationship with people who live in extreme poverty or in a culture unprotected by Christian values, they will quickly understand how much they take for granted. They may begin to realize how much they actually know about how a person makes a place for himself in the world and what just social relationships look like. They may realize that poverty and oppression thrive when a slave doesn't know anyone who understands how to live prosperous and free. Poverty and oppression have as much to do with the lack of redemptive relationships as anything else. In a community without healthy role models of prosperity, everyone assumes poverty and crime are normal. In a neighborhood where no one truly knows a poor person, everyone assumes abundance is normal and poverty is a result of sin or laziness. And yet, oppression thrives everywhere, even in the mansions of suburban enclaves. You don't have to be ruled by a slave master in a poverty-stricken land for your life to be broken by injustice and oppression, We are today seeing the economic and moral disintegration of the United States. And the social collapse is going to change everything for convictional American Christians. When we are no longer a privileged people, economically, socially, we finally will hear more clearly the cries of the poor and oppressed around us, and appreciate how salvation and redemption apply to the realities of everyday life. And we will realize how much we have to offer someone who simply needs a meaningful relationship with a person who understands what it means to be redeemed and knows how to be restored to the full, free, and forever life. When God redeemed the children of Abraham from slavery, He sent a man named Yeshua, which means God is salvation, to lead them into the land of promise. We know him as the Old Testament's Joshua. Then, in the land of promise, when the Israelites stubbornly kept living their own lives and giving themselves over to new captivities, God sent another Yeshua to save humanity once and for all. We call him Jesus, Thank you for listening to this point. I hope you'll visit the show notes on GodsRevolution.org and subscribe to the podcast. We aren't opening these posts to comments, but I have been delighted to hear feedback and thoughts emailed to me using the link in our show notes. Those who write are helping deepen our understanding of these matters and guiding us into a clearer vision for cultivating social justice. Our next episode will take us straight into the presence of that second Yeshua, Jesus, and his shockingly simple message about how to begin living the full, free, and forever life in God's kingdom. Until we meet again, God be with you.